Welcome to this week's episode of the Moving Autism Forward podcast. My name is Ashton, and this week I'll be your host. We have the privilege of having our first repeat guest today, and I couldn't be more excited. The awesome, sometimes crazy, always hilarious Janice Kern is going to be with us today. And this conversation is going to be the perfect weekend pick-me-up, encouragement for your workout today, or just a midweek laugh that you need. As school is fast approaching and we're saying goodbye to summer, some of you, you might have already said goodbye. I'm sorry. We wanted to use this podcast today to talk about a simple yet very impactful part of the autism journey. We wanted to talk about intentional conversation, what that looks like, what are some stumbling blocks, and how we can get better at it. Janice may or may not threaten you in this, so just buckle up. Before we jump in, I want to remind listeners that the National Taka Autism Conference is quickly approaching and the early bird pricing of $90 ends August 15th. This is three full days and evening events. There'll be lots of amazing speakers, parents, and champions of the autism community that are going to be there. Janice and I will both be there, so make sure you don't miss us. We would love to see you hug your neck. Well, I'll speak for myself. I'd love to hug your neck and encourage you in your journey. So go to talkanow.org backslash events to learn more and to register today. All right, let's jump into this conversation. I promise you're going to laugh and learn probably a little something. All right, Janice. Hey, thanks for coming and hang out again. Uh, I'm excited about today's conversation and what we're going to discuss for anybody listening, if you missed the first time Janice was on, please go back and listen to her episode. We'll put that in the show notes. But thanks for taking the time today, Janice, and I hope that you're having a wonderful summer. I'm having a great summer, and I love hanging out with you, so this is a great way to start the day. Yay! Well, hey, listen, you sent me a really cool topic to discuss, and I am super excited. We're going to talk about conversation and how to spice up conversation, things to do, things not to do, challenges that you've had in the past and things that you've creatively come up with to overcome them. Great, great. Okay, so- so You liked my idea. You thought it was brilliant, right? Basically, yeah, basically. I basically thought it was the best idea anybody sent me so far. (laughs) So challenge up to anybody else. Definitely a cool conversation that I think a lot of people either forget to have or they just get caught in the cycle of their regular communication and they don't think about alternate ways. So let's start with um, this idea that you brought to me about dead questions. Can you explain to listeners what that means and why it is a challenge? I think dead questions come up because people are trying too hard, usually. Mm. When I hear a dead question, it's somebody who is really trying. They, they want to engage with a child, uh, but they're, they're not quite nailing it. The examples that we have in our house of a dead question, we've, when we first realized that we were doing this so often, then we started to kind of police each other, my husband and I. And if you kind of like the swear jar, if you ask Charlie a dead question, you had to put a dollar in the jar, you know, something. Um, and then it became this competition between my husband and I, and I can't, I can't lose to him. So I got really good at no longer asking dead questions. 
but it was pointed out to us when we had someone come and uh, help us with ABA. Okay. And she encouraged us to avoid dead questions so that we could encourage language and conversation with Charlie. And an example of a dead question would be if we were all sitting around eating and you're trying to make a conversation with your child and he's obviously eating, you know, steak and potatoes and you said, oh, are you eating steak? And the, the answer is definitely yes. Everyone can see that he's eating steak. And what you really meant to do was make a comment. Oh, I see you're eating steak. So by asking, are you eating steak? You're, you sound like you're asking a question, but there really isn't an answer because even Charlie, who doesn't talk, knows that the answer is obvious and knows that you're making this up and that you're not asking him a real question that you expect him to answer. So the, the more times we would ask him a question when it was very obvious, we expect no answer from you, the less likely he is to answer questions because he knows it's not expected. So we would continually police each other with our dead questions. Uh, this is, we would hear this in school also. Um, okay. Oh, are you wearing a red shirt? That's a comment. It should be, I see you're wearing a red shirt. I have a blue shirt. What color right. shirt are you going to wear tomorrow? So there's a difference. And people mean well. People are not doing anything wrong. Definitely. You're not doing anything wrong. But you can take this up a notch to really encourage some language. Okay, let me ask you about this. Because um, this brings up, for a neurotypical child, uh, maybe in the development stages, you would ask simple questions like that with the inflection to teach them the difference between a comment and the inflection-induced mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, these kiddos are not catching on to the inflection. Am I correct? You're correct. So we okay. don't want to overuse. So we definitely don't want to confuse them more by using the inflection in something that's just a comment. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Okay. So, so what's the solution to, to this and how, I'm what gonna, are some tips that you found? I'm going to follow you around all the time and, you know, make you pay me a dollar every time you ask a dead question. <laughs> If I had, you know, the famous saying of, if I had a dollar every time I heard somebody ask my kid a dead question, I'd be a millionaire by now. <laughs> it's just very hard to avoid that uh, because we're trying, people really want to engage with Charlie and that is, it, it's what comes out. You, you just can't help it. So be thinking a little bit ahead of time. Um, what, what can I ask that would be the start of a conversation instead of, or if you, if you can't get past the, are you wearing a red shirt? Just say, I see you're wearing a red shirt. Just make a comment. That's perfectly acceptable too. Okay. And so one of the things that you mentioned in prep for this was um, taking those comments and making them pieces that encourage conversation. And so how would you, because in our everyday language, if we made a comment, um, sometimes it will provoke conversation and sometimes it almost is like a dead comment. <laughs> so we could, so that's our experience. And I think oftentimes we take our experience and we translate that over so that maybe that's why we ask dead questions a lot. So, but how do you take a thought provoking comment and make that in encouragement for conversation with these kids? 
Well, it takes some practice and it of course depends on the kid and what their interest is. Um, just the red shirt, not to beat the poor red shirt to death um, again, but um, just to use it as a lead in. And even if the child is nonverbal or can't answer the question, answer it for them um, mm. and get the back and forth going. But to continually make a comment in the form of a question, you're just sending the message that you don't expect this kid to respond to you. That's the, that's the main thing to remember. Mm. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm going to share a little story of mine. I used to hang out with a awesome young dude who is pretty high functioning. But I have a feeling you're going to be owing me a dollar after this story is over, but go on. Okay. And uh, one day we'd pick him up from school and we would hang out, whatever. And he would get in the car and I would be just so, mm, uh, just so like wanting to engage. Like, how was your day? You know, these types of things. So, but I didn't say, how was your day? I would say, did you have a good day? Well, that would provoke normal conversation with someone else but to him that was a dead question yeah it is because the answer was just yes or uh -huh. no it doesn't lead anywhere it doesn't lead anywhere mm -hmm. and so one day we were driving and i'm like asking dead question after dead question after dead question i didn't know that that's what it was at the time and he literally says to me, stay the course, Ashton, just stay the course. <laughs> In other words, please just drive and uh -huh. stop trying to talk to me. Uh-huh. So it became like a joke in my life <clears throat> from then on. Um, but I had no idea that these were dead questions. But the second that you brought this up to me, I real I went back in my brain to all of these examples of things that I would ask him. And the poor child was probably thinking, you are crazy. Why are you talking to me like this? I've heard uh, kids also say, uh, you, you already asked me that. And mm. they might mean yesterday or they might mean this morning or you already asked me that, you know, for three weeks, you <laughs> have been asking me that. And the answer is yes. Yes, I had a good day. There's no other, you know. Um, so you need to change things up as well. Um, yeah. Really specific questions. Did you, did you eat lunch in the, and you can, okay, we'll probably get to more things. Keep going. No, no, no. You, you go down that line okay. of questions. Okay. That was so good. If for a week I'm asking Charlie, uh, what, did you have a good day? Did you have a good day? Uh, I would suddenly change that when I drop him off in the morning. Okay, have a bad day. And he just bolted his head around and stared at me like, what? Have a bad day? And then that quickly became the new commentary, you know, and then he would cut me off. One morning he cut me off before I could say, have a bad day, because I wanted him to be paying attention and listening to me. Yes. So, before I could say, have a bad day at school, he turned to me and said, I'll have a good day. And he, and it was this, for him, it was this great big sentence that I had never heard before. And he did not want me telling him to have a bad day. So he cut me off. And 
So I think a little surprise once in a while, our kids just love, love, love routine. It's very comforting to them, but to change things up, excuse me, once in a while is, is a really good thing. It grabs their, it can grab their attention. I love the shock factor. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. So one of the other things that you kind of sent over was this idea of um, phrasing a command as a command rather than a question. I also, as soon as I read this, thought to myself, I cannot tell you how many times I did this, where I was constantly asking for something to be done rather than commanding something to be done. Well, one easy example is uh, turning off the lights, let's say, or let's say turning off the lights. Instead of saying, will you go turn off the light? You are asking a question and you make it sound like this child should answer. So if we're teaching a conversation, if we're trying to get this kid to make conversation, respond to questions, make comments, will you go turn off the light? He's very justified in saying, no, I won't. And that would be an appropriate response. And that would, it's exactly what we're trying to teach our kids is mm -hmm. answering a question. So if you really want him to turn off the lights and you're directing him to turn off the lights, it would be better to say, Charlie, go turn off the lights and come back to me or whatever the instruction is. But turn off the lights instead of, will you go turn off the lights? Do you want to turn off the lights? Should we turn off the lights? How about, <laughs> should we, do we want to turn off the lights? You know, it's just turn off the lights. Right. And then that's more of a command and an instruction and they get used to following those directions uh, can carry over into other into other areas. Again, it's that like inflection thing, too, that you're trying to teach um, the understanding for that and the appropriate response for a question is an answer and you get to decide what the answer is. Right. Right. <laughs> versus a command where you don't get an option. Right. Uh, this is what I'm telling you to go do as right. your parent um, or as your leader. And, you know, I found myself going back through, like I said, through different scenarios of which I had done that. Uh, one of the tricks that I found that worked, even though I was using wrong, clearly wrong stuff, according to Janice. OK, but um, <laughs> but I would say, will you please go turn off the lights? Thank you. And it was so funny because forever I would say, will you please go turn off the lights? No movement, no nothing, no, no response. Maybe a look that was like of disgust. Uh, but I would add thank you to the end of it. And it would like provoke this like, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know why that provoked a response, but it did. Great idea. Great idea. And. and but it's still the wrong language. So, so maybe I should have been doing commands, go turn off the lights. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for turning off the light. Wow. You did that. I know you didn't want to, but you didn't complain and you did it. Thank you. And then you can gradually fade off that praising, but think about how eager you would be to go turn off the light. If I'm like, thank you, you didn't want to, and you did it. And then you came back and you didn't even growl about it. Thank you. What's and interesting is I would say thank you before the action had ever taken place. Oh, 
you know, maybe you could have tweaked that a little bit, but you're getting there. <laughs> By the way, just an update for everybody who's listening. He did turn out okay. And he's not <laughs> challenged. He's done really well in communication. He's actually in college. So, so, um, Anyway, so one of the other things I want you to talk about or expound on was the element of surprise. So you talked about a couple of different things that you did at school when you would drop off Charlie, but I want you to throw in some of these funny examples that you sent me because I think they're hysterical, and I think that parents could use these um, in everyday situations. So one that you sent me was this idea of talking in a foreign accent. So give us an example of when you would do that and why and what your hope would be. Well, this will vary for any kid, of course, but for my son, the, the accent really annoyed him. And so I would use an, any accent I could think of, which I'm sure pe plenty of people listening right now are like, well, that accent you have is pretty annoying. <laughs> and so I would use an accent and, and Charlie would, you know, do anything to get me to just talk in my normal voice. Uh, and so if he would respond, all I wanted was a reaction, a response. I wanted him to see me, to hear me, to be with me. Uh, so I used just anything up my sleeve that I could to, to get him to just notice me and respond to me in any way. And once I could get him, you know, with me, then we could, we could be together and we could do things together. And even if for only a few moments, you would turn back to normal. I would have to turn back to normal if I expected okay. him to stay with me, yes. Okay. Other things, you know, you use the element of surprise. So if every day you're, everybody sits in the same place for dinner or um, everybody sits in the same spot in the car or you always drive the same way to school, things like that, do something different or just sit at the end of the driveway and say, I don't know where to go. Where do we go? and go the wrong way or you know just do something to that will get your child to respond to you and to react okay. to you even if it's just by pointing whatever you need to do let them know that you want to talk to them you want them in your world and see what you can do to get a get a rise out of them that is such great advice and when i knew I that charlie wants something one of my favorite things to do when he was younger was uh to pre pretend that i was asleep so he had to really work at getting what he wanted. If he wanted a drink, um, I would just suddenly, you know, start snoring and close my eyes. And, and then he had to prod at me and poke at me and talk more, 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 use more language and more words to try to get what he wanted. Okay, so <laughs> I'm like imagining all of this in my head, by the way, as I'm sure a lot of listeners are. Um, I know that you guys have made huge strides in Charlie's communication over the years, and especially in the last several years. Last time we had you on the show, you talked about um, Charlie doing, you, you talked just very shortly about Charlie doing um, some group language speech therapy. Yes? Yes. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and about, um, maybe what you have seen as progress in the group setting versus, you know, individual. And did you do individual speech therapy when he was younger? Yes. And we still do. We okay. still do speech therapy. 
The group therapy came about because a local um, SLP had several clients who were all boys and they were all in the same age group. They were all younger teens. So then she got them all together to practice some of the skills she was working on individually as a group. So that has worked really well. So that was we, organic. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and then we, we like organic. We, <laughs> we do, we do. Uh, and then, what did you ask me? Well, I asked, like, could you describe for the listeners kind of what you've seen as the benefits of the group therapy, maybe like that maybe wouldn't have happened if like it would have always been just individual? Oh, something I like about the, yep, the group speech therapy. I don't know if how available this is to other people, but I would strongly recommend it. And even when our son has individual speech therapy, we will often throw in um, at least one brother, one okay. or two brothers. And if, you know, speech therapy can, is very fun. Speech therapists are very creative, tons of energy, and your kids should think that they're just going to play a game. And, and, and if they don't, you know, something, th something's up, make a change, make a suggestion. But this group therapy also gave us something to talk about after, after the fact. And our son made a friend, a true friend for the first time because of group therapy. And it, it's very comfortable. Uh, everyone has a need. Everyone is working on some specific skill, all different skills. I don't know how this speech therapist does it but they're all working on some skill and we we see his individual speech therapy making a lot of progress because of that um group option okay so you just referenced the friend thing and if anybody remembers janice's first episode one of the things she talked about was the fact that she really hoped that this year charlie would get be able to find like a real friend somebody that he would be like that's my friend so yeah. can you tell us like the story because clearly that was just a few months ago and you just said that he has a true friend so yes that's anthony uh charlie will name friends that he has he has a lot of kids in school who are just very very kind to him and they've been kind to him since preschool there are a lot of good people in his class um but i think even they would would not they would know the difference of what i'm talking about when i say you know charlie needs a needs a real friend even they would be like yeah he's he's not hanging out with us on the weekends he's not calling us after school things like that so um not to slight them in any way but i think even they would understand what i mean when i say charlie didn't have a true friend so we showed up for group speech therapy and in walks this guy anthony and i said oh who's that and, and charlie right away said hey buddy and just walked right over to him and they had their arms around each other's shoulders and I'm like oh my gosh they are friends they are really good friends and then uh, this group so a few months passed they definitely enjoyed spending time together and group their group speech and there was another group that was happening um, about 90 miles away from us and this boy, Anthony, was able to attend, but it was too far for us. We weren't even really invited. The thought wasn't even that we would attend. And, and the SLP called and said, um, Anthony asked if I would invite Charlie. And I thought, you better believe I'm going to drive 90 miles <laughs> somebody's <laughs> inviting Charlie to go fishing with him. Yes. Wow. So, 
so we went and it, it was a great time. I, um, and they're still, you know, they're not like, Hey buddy, you know, let's, uh, let's go make our mom's lives more difficult by pulling a prank on them. You know, they're not the, they're not the typical friends that you would expect out of a 14, out of a couple of teenagers, but they're definitely friends. There's no doubt about it. That's awesome. Okay. So let's wrap this up a little bit, uh, with, like what is one thing for the summer that you feel like is a good resource for parents um, out there? And then what is like one fun family thing that you guys are planning? Oh, a fun family thing. Uh, we are working on some job skills with Charlie. I like to use the summer for something new. That was some advice that another Taco mom gave me a while back, Jackie. Uh, great advice. Use your summer to try something new. You, you usually are a little bit off schedule. Your routine is different. So why, why not make it even more different and see, see if something new will work, a new medical treatment, a new therapy, a new work on a new skill. So for Charlie, the skill is job skills. And we're working our way up. We've turned our kitchen into a small restaurant with a menu for a breakfast menu with prices and about six items that all of us can order. Charlie takes our orders and looks up the prices. He has to add the prices, give us our total, and make change for us. Of course, we started very slowly, and this is a culmination of an ABA program that has worked very, very successfully. But next weekend, uh, Charlie's brothers are in a ski show, water ski show, and they were looking for volunteers to run the concession stand. Now, ordinarily, I'm not one to jump on, hey, I'd love to work at a concession stand in early July on a beautiful summer day. But a concession stand... By really the way, pause. In the South, it would not be a beautiful summer day. It would be sweltering hot, and it would be the last place in the world that you would want to be. Continue. Sorry. I had Right, I just right. throw that in there because not everyone is as privileged as Janice is to live in North Dakota when it's probably, what, peak 70-something degrees in the middle of July? Well, we're hoping for 90. We always hope for 90, 80 to 90. And we off, we sometimes will get it. But, yeah, it, summer is a beautiful time of year in North Dakota. There's no doubt yeah, about it. We would it. love 80. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this concession stand offers the perfect opportunity for some practice for Charlie. So, so I jumped on it. And so that's something that we're going to be doing. We'll get to watch the ski show. Charlie can watch his brothers in this and other people who are super great to our family. And we'll get the practice of a concession stand. So awesome. Well, we can't wait to um, catch those updates. And if you, if you want to see the update, go follow Janice on Facebook, and she is one of the best updaters I've ever seen. She just, like, throws in these awesome family updates and Charlie updates and continually. So, um, anyway, well, thank you so much, friend, for jumping on today and talking with us and just sharing some insight and laughing with us and Hopefully our listeners had a few chuckles maybe at our expense. I don't know, but maybe they learned a few things. And so that's the goal. Um, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your summer and maybe we'll have to jump on here again soon. I hope so. I hope so. Well, thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, bless our hearts. 
That's Southern for, dear me, we have a lot to work on. I don't know about you, but that conversation with Janice had me thinking about my communication style, how I to get creative, and how to mix things up. I admire the fact that she always gives out-of-the-box suggestions and never ceases to challenge the status quo. I'm pretty sure I owe her at least $5 for the dead question jar. And if you're wondering to yourself, when is this Janice girl going to be back on the podcast or how can I connect with her? Go follow her journey on Facebook. Just look her up, Janice Kern. And don't worry, we are cooking up some ideas for another few episodes with Janice, so stay tuned. Okay, a few final notes. I mentioned the National Taka Autism Conference at the beginning of the show. Go check that out now. We're expecting a big crowd this year and we don't want you to miss out. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to share it with your friends. Go and subscribe on iTunes or on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Also, I know it sounds silly, but leaving a rating and review will help us reach more families. It just makes it easier for them to find us. And as a community, we want to make it as simple as possible for families new and old to plug in. Last thing, if you have a topic, suggestion, or a guest that you think we should interview, or maybe you just have a question for us, reach out to us on the blog and leave us a comment, takanowblog.com. Okay, my friends, have a beautiful week. Soak up the last few rays of summer or enjoy the beginning days of school, whatever you do. Just keep hoping and keep learning.